Between work, school, family obligations, and friends, it's nearly impossible to find time for yourself nowadays. You wouldn't be alone by winding down your evening with a joint, bowl, or even a dab. Nearly 4% of the world's population, or around 300 million people, smoke marijuana each year. Welcome back to Psych for Stoners. I'm your host, Cammie. And I'm AJ. And today we'll be investigating what marijuana is, how it affects your brain, and how your intentions behind smoking affect your use. So what is marijuana? What is it? <laughs> Tell me about okay, it. Okay, so. What is the substance that I'm on? <laughs> Why does it make me feel wacky? Marijuana, or cannabis, also known by many other names, including weed, pot, draft, Mary Jane, Mary Jane, and so many other things, is a mild hallucinogenic plant, actually, that okay. when smoked, produces a high, giving users feelings of happiness and relaxation, Yeah, as well as distort our perception of our sensory inputs. And you are so correct. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I I can see where they're coming from. So, can you tell me what the two active compounds in marijuana are? They are CBD mm-hmm. and THC. Exactly. CBD is not a hallucinogenic, but THC is. And CBD is like in a lot of lotions. Mm-hmm. And it's like the relaxation part, kind of? Yeah, exactly. Cannabidiol, or CBD is the second yep. most prevalent active chemical in weed. So after THC, it's the most active prevalent active chemical. Oh, so mm-hmm. that is what prevents, produces a sense of calm and peace among marijuana. Okay, so tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, THC, yeah, is the main psychoactive um, ingredient and produces the main hallucinogenic psychoactive response in the brain, which just distorts our perception. And we're going to get more into how exactly it affects the brain next. But first, all you got to know it make you goofy. (laughs) All you got to know it make you goofy. (laughs) Like, I know there's more science, but like, (laughs) just makes you laugh. You need to learn the science? Okay, bring it. Okay, so we're going to talk about the biology of the brain first so we understand how this works. Mm-hmm. So when you have any single thought, sensory input, anything, a mm-hmm. signal is sent between your brain and other parts of your body through your nerves. And those nerves are super itty bitty and they communicate with each other through chemical signals called neurotransmitters. Is this also including like the central nervous system or is it neurons in your brain yes so all of these are connected because the brain is the like biggest part of the nervous system just like the heart is the biggest part of the blood system of the blood oh that makes sense yeah thank you so much i never knew that and i've been in multiple psych classes sorry does it also have like pain reducing benefits to it Because I know that that is, like, a thing. So, actually, there is also something called the endocannabinoid system, which is part of the nervous system, and it's actually a part of the neurotransmitters, which I was talking about 
Uh, endocannabinoids are a type of neurotransmitter that are released, the chemical signals that are released to communicate with nerves, and they have some of those relaxa relaxation properties. Okay. And they're released when you have, when you are feeling to like relieve your pain. Yes. So, yeah. It's like better than Tylenol. Exactly. So, <laughs> THC actually has a very similar shape to the endocannabinoids. Yes. That's what, like, you basically already have like a receptor in your brain for THC. So, it's kind of like we were built to like consume this chemical. Exactly. So, it's like if you were trying to fit a triangle into a Okay. Like <laughs> triangle. A, a triangle um, into a little, into a triangle shaped hole. Yes. And it was a slightly different shaped triangle. Yeah. Maybe it's like a star, is. but like the star's really big and the triangle of the star fits in. Yeah, kind of. Because I know like it can be kind of different shapes or it can have a section of that. Is it kind of like Splenda? How Splenda isn't really sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but it like, but our brains perceive it like, ooh, sweet. Like, yes. Yeah. So sugar and Splenda <gasps> activate the same mm -hmm. um, receptors in your, in your tongue. Yeah. And so just like but, THC does that to your does brain. Does that to your brain. Licks your brain. <laughs> I hate that I just said that. Okay. So just to recap, nerves make up, are what make up your brain and the central nervous system and what helps your brain connect communicate to all parts of your body. Nerves communicate with each other through chemicals that they release called neurotransmitters. One of these oh, types of neurotransmitters, you. yeah. neurotransmitters include things like dopamine, serotonin, um, adrenaline, yes. epinephrine, which is what you're given if you're having an allergic reaction, is actually the same thing as an adrenaline effect. They're just different names for the same thing. Oh. Um, and one of these other things is an, an our endocannabinoids, which is a group of neurotransmitters. There are multiple. Oh. Um, there's two main ones. Mm -hmm. THC <laughs> has a very similar shape to the endocannabinoids. And so. Is it, the THC the triangle? The THC is the triangle. And then the endocannabinoid receptor is the star. <gasps> Thank you. I totally understand. Awesome. What a hunt. Yeah. Incredible. You gotta educate high people about weed. You gotta yeah. know, like they gotta know what they're getting into. This is what they're getting into. One important thing to remember when talking about endocannabinoids and neurotransmitters is that they are only released for a short amount of time for them to connect from one nerve to another through the synaptic gap before they are reabsorbed to the original nerve through a process called reuptake. When the nerve just sucks all of the neurotransmitters back up. So just, it tells, just num 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 snack. It tells the next nerve what to do and then it release it brings everything back. So it's a more short term communication. An important thing to remember about the difference between how THC and endocannabinoids or other neurotransmitters affect your brain is that Endocannabinoids and neurotransmitters are released from the nerve nearly immediately, where THC does not release from those receptors in the same way, which triggers a release of dopamine and causes the high, which lasts about one to three hours.
That sound about right? Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, you can tell me a story. Uh, um, I don't know if you wrote about this, but fun fact, mm-hmm. THC is stored in your fat cells. I did not write about this. Okay, so this is really fascinating. So THC, the like leftover THC that's in your body, mm-hmm. it'll stay in your fat cells. Mm-hmm. So when you work out, sometimes the high comes back. But this happened to a guy in high school. <laughs> we were in gym and we were working out. We were like playing like soccer, dodgeball. He walks up to me. And he's like, fuck, the weed just kicked in again. I'm like, sir, it is 10.30 on a Tuesday, and you are a fifth-year senior. What What the hell? He was an icon, though. He's making music now in L.A., so, like, pop off. I hope you are sweating weed right now. Weed also doesn't affect your whole brain. It affects certain areas. One area that it affects is called the hippocampus, which is like here, points to neck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the hippocampus is between, so your neck is not, your brain is not in your neck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. It is, it's like in between your ears. The hippocampus is between your ears in under your temporal lobe which is right behind your ear yeah and it's in something that we have called the old brain so what evolved first the hippocampus is part of what we call the old brain the area of the brain that evolved first it is covered by the main hemispheres of your brain which are split into the left and right hemisphere each have four lobes the frontal temporal occipital and parietal lobes. The hippocampus is located under your temporal lobe, which is right near your ears. So the hippocampus, which is in the center of our brain, um, inside, like under the temporal lobe, plays a major role in learning and memory, and weed alters the function of the hippocampus. Which holds memory? Yes, so it impairs our memory. You know. And limits our ability to focus. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Consuming marijuana also affects your cerebellum and basal ganglia, which control movement, perception. Nope. What do they control? I don't have it pulled up. Shit. I'm just going to let it. Consuming marijuana also affects the cerebellum and the basal ganglia, two other parts of our brain. The cerebellum regulates balance, posture, and coordination, while the basal ganglia controls motor functions. The cerebellum is part of our frontal cortex, while the basal ganglia is also part of the old brain. So because of our impaired balance, coordination, and overall motor functions, it is not safe to drive while high. 
<laughs> it's just like, we're going to make you forget everything and make you look like a fool. What are you saying, AJ? Is that true? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Do you know what any risk smoking or consuming marijuana, either short-term or long-term, possible negative impact? Okay. Because we've talked about the good things, like the sense of euphoria. Yeah, like there's like two sides, two sides of a coin. Yeah. Everything has two sides. Um, watch and thank you. Yeah. Anyway, um, I know some of the long-term effects, not as bad, but it can it definitely harms your lungs for a long amount of time. I know their major memory loss can happen. Those are the ones that come to my brain first. Uh-huh. Uh, short term, hungry, dry mouth. All the thoughts have left the brain. Weed is working. <laughs> um, yeah, so- like dizziness, hallucinations, possibly. Yeah, exactly. So the short term risks are memory impairment. Memory, yeah. Uh, sluggishness. And just kind of like yeah. the feeling of sinking into mm. the couch and like, yeah, sink. Yep. Um, increased hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the munchies. Oh, the munchies be hidden because it is a mild hallucinogenic. Um, there are you may have possible hallucinations and sore throat, dry mouth. Yeah, all of those things. Mm. If you're getting mm-hmm. enough water. Yeah. If you, if you I the type of am in an intimate relationship with my humidifier. His name is Phil. Those are the short-term effects. Mm-hmm. Now, the long-term effects, there is limited research uh, right now because there wasn't, hasn't been funding for Because it hasn't been legalized. Exactly. And- I think it should be legalized. Yeah. I, I think, like, legalized medically so they can research it. Literally. Because there's a lot of good things and, like, I don't even know if we're going to get into, like, the politicalness of it, of, like, Black people are in jail because they sold weed, and like weed is now like okay all of a sudden. Yeah, so I don't. But like black people can't be a part of the business. Yeah. <clears throat> Incarceration rates are really high. Anyway, it's starting to get political on you. No, you're But that is like a, a part of the culture of weed. Yeah. And intrinsically, while well, you are going to be mostly talking about the um, psychological impacts and how it affects your brain. Yeah. Um, how marijuana has contributed to the incarceration of black people, especially black men. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Is, it's intrinsically linked with yeah. um, smoking marijuana. And you have to recognize yeah. that if you choose to do so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you're right. Um, Thank you. I'm going to put a little thing here again. Actually, I'm going to do some research and I'm going to talk about it. So for the majority of our time, we are going to be talking about the long-term effects of weed that we know as of now there is currently limited research as it has been legalized medically or recreationally till recently and there hasn't been funding for studies mm-hmm. but more studies are coming out and being done yeah. every day mm-hmm. so a lot of the how the long-term effects depend on the age that you started smoking so okay tell us when did you first start smoking and when did you start smoking regularly um, good question, because there are two different answers. So, I, the first time that I ever smoked, I think I was 16, um, and I smoked pretty on, like, irregularly, and then I started pretty consistently smoking 
when I was 19, probably. Huh. Yeah. Awesome. And I started smoking pretty consistently. I start had, a lot later. Yeah. I had weed for the very first time when I was 18. Right. Um, my second semester of my freshman year of college. Yep. And then I became a more frequent user over a year later at around 19 and a half. So a lot of the long-term effects depend on if you started smoking consistently. And so I would say consistently is more than four times a week uh, before okay. or after age 16. That is usually the cutoff that a lot of studies have used. It is rather yeah. arbitrary that they picked 16, but it is what most people have been using. And so people have chosen to continue to use it. As frequently talked about, um, teenagers, don't, their prefrontal cortex at the very front of their brain, which controls memory and is judgment. It, is and it fully formed? It's not fully formed, which yeah. is why teenagers are stupid. Are stupid, because literally their brain's not done growing. Yeah. And so yeah. if you become a frequent user prior to age 16, okay. it impacts the development of that prefrontal cortex. Oh. And so, and one of the articles I was reading while I'm researching for this episode, they talked about how if you become a regular weed user prior to age 16, uh, the, your executive function, so your ability to make decisions, your self-control, and other prefrontal cortex tasks, mm -hmm. that ability is decreased because there is a significant growth in your ability to like function and do those tasks um, during puberty. Okay, so like there are some risks. Yes. If you start smoking a lot when you're too young. Yes. Younger than 16. Yes. And um, yeah, because this is such a developmentally important time in one's life, the impairments from weed are not reversible through abstinence or a tolerance break for two breaks. Oh, it still has an effect. So literally, like, kids don't do drugs. Kids don't do drugs. Kids don't do drugs. Like, it is still, it's not good for you. No. Yeah. It produces longer reaction times with both visual, with visual cues, attention cues, and switching tasks. Mm. It also inhibits your decision making and self-control. Um, mm. Because it affects your prefrontal cortex. Which is already low when you're a teen. So, yeah. like, don't lower it any more than you have to. Bethany? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Bethany. Sorry to all the Bethany's listening. Yeah, so it also decreases your motivation, and all of these things um, contribute to the decrease in executive function. This study showed a significant difference in task performance when non-smokers, people who started smoking over the age of 16, and people who started smoking mm. under the age of 16 were given a variety of different tasks. So it, they noticed a difference between those groups of people. Yes, they did. And it was statistically significant. So it was a large enough difference to uh, report to, about. To say, like, there's a difference. It is important to note that 
this was a small sample size. This is one of the small sample sizes mm. we're talking about. There were only 34 people, I believe, in this study. So it is um, good to getting research, but we need to take it with a grain of salt until there's more research. We need more. We yeah. need more, which we will say again and again. We need more research. One of the other studies that I looked at while doing this research looked at the educational and occupational outcomes of marijuana users in early adulthood. So this study took a group of 662 Canadian teenagers from age 15 to age 28 and followed them and interviewed them every few years to track their marijuana use, if any, level of schooling, work, as well as a variety of other metrics that were used in other studies. And they looked at how it affected people in young adulthood. So mm-hmm. ages 18 to, I believe it was 25, 28 so, years. I'm included in that. Yeah, we both are included in that. Okay, cool. And so not all of these people were marijuana users at the beginning. Not all of them are marijuana users at the end. Oh, and it's it's more of, it's like a long-term study where they like follow these certain people throughout their life. Yes. Yeah. And um, they monitored a variety of things including marijuana use how much they use marijuana other things um including nicotine and alcohol and other drug use interesting level of schooling work or occupation and many other things that they didn't mention in the study because they were used for other studies got it makes sense yeah and so this study found that chronic marijuana users mm-hmm. four days a week achieved lower levels of education so they didn't get Mm. as high a degree or a degree at all lower occupational prestige which so basically how fancy the job is perceived to be or the amount of schooling necessary okay Um, and and overall lower income compared to non-smokers personally take some issue with the idea of occupational prestige as a metric because it's kind of how fancy your job is are you a doctor or a lawyer or are you a mechanic like um excuse me there is pride in that so combining this study of the canadian teenagers and the study we just talked about about executive function um it makes a lot of sense why um people start smoking earlier and therefore have um lower executive function and impaired memory and um, attention, they take longer to switch from task to task. It does the correlation between that and lower educational occupational outcomes does make a lot of sense. While it does make a lot of sense that people who smoke weed have lower educational outcomes, it is incredibly important to note that marijuana use doesn't occur in isolation because People from lower socioeconomic backgrounds have a higher likelihood of smoking earlier due to increased availability, increased acceptance, peer pressure, et cetera, et cetera. Many people use weed to self-medicate what they refer to as behavior problems, including attention deficit disorder or ADHD. Yeah. I'm looking at one. Yeah. Uh, and also oppositional defiant disorder, so more like anger issues and which is called ODD. It's really interesting that people with ADHD who already struggle with some executive function issues like um, task management and organizing 
um, the order in which to do things as well as figuring out how to start a task and transitions but there is the connection between even like in a weird way of benefits yeah, which is interesting because marijuana detrimentally affects your executive function in other ways. Yeah. Marijuana use, lower socioeconomic backgrounds, and co-occurring behavioral issues are all individually reasons why that might relate to specifically lower educational attainment. And so when all three combine, um, it oh. undermines the educational and occupational achievement. And so this study was really interesting too read about because while there is evidence that marijuana affects your occupational achievement you are also at a higher likelihood to begin smoking marijuana if you have these other issues already lowering achievements such as ADHD other behavioral issues or even being born into a lower socioeconomic class all of these things work together to bring you down it's definitely not just the week it's not just the week I am really interested in my education and like if you're in a slower like it is proof that education doesn't equal success uh-huh. like money equals success like if you have the resources to do what you need to do like like you do better in school so like people who don't have all the resources don't do as well in school and then they're also susceptible to things that might help their emotional state Yes, and yeah, and we both also come at this from a rather privileged background, me even more so than AJ. And so it's really interesting to think about as thinking about our experiences in middle school, high school, and thinking about how AJ, who wants to be a educator and wants to work with um, these students at lower socioeconomic uh, in schools, how the differences between the school that I went to for high school and the, yeah. the school that AJ wants to work in are so completely different and yeah. have such different struggles, even though it's both, they're all 14 yeah. to 18 year olds because mine had a lot of money. And like that age group, age group in general, like that is a tough part of mine. So the other really cool and interesting thing that I read about was if your motivation behind smoking weed affects how the weed affects you. The main reasons that people smoke are for social reasons. So they're hanging out with friends they want to smoke to gain a sense of euphoria or expansion to kind of like reach a new level in their brain in themselves yeah. and the world. Yeah, it can be, it can also be tied to like some spiritual practices. Yeah. yeah. And the last reason that most people eat weed is to cope with negative emotions or um, psychological issues, yeah. mental health issues. And you got to be careful with those. Yeah. And like, like I really love that, like the intention you put behind it. You're just manifesting. Yeah. Like it just, it just exemplifies the manifestation. Mm-hmm. So whatever you manifest it to be, you'll have that experience. But unfortunately, and there actually is psychological um, reasoning behind that because yeah. by having those thoughts in your brain it already fires this those synapses and makes those connections and so because you have those thoughts already you preempt it and so if you're already having a bad time um just like how if you drink to forget um like you're gonna get sadder because you're already sad like same thing like what you get in go into it get you get out of it 
And that's exactly what this talks about. This study is really interesting because it talks about how your motivation and how people who use weed to cope with negative emotions puts users actually at a higher likelihood of not only having a negative experience because sometimes they do have a positive experience and they have a short-term high, uh, but they have a higher likelihood of actually developing a cannabis use disorder. It is not nearly as addictive as other things such as cigarettes, cocaine, alcohol, nicotine, anything like that. Caffeine, it's not nearly as addictive as caffeine, but it does have addictive properties and approximately 10% of users have a cannabis use disorder and even more abuse cannabis. Of people who abuse cannabis fall into that chronic uh, group of smokers who smoke more than four times a week. So be honest with me, doctor. Where do I sit? We both have been sitting in the chronic area for a little bit too long, but we did make the decision today to only smoke um, twice a week. So we're gonna get down. We're gonna we're gonna we're we're. we're en route to change yeah we're, you can have a healthy relationship with it yes and with intention behind it like it can be a tool it does not have to be mm-hmm. like a crutch yes absolutely thank you for putting that so perfectly you're so you're welcome. welcome and so we're going to talk about the people who don't do that for a okay. little bit so if you did not follow my very wise advice yes what happens so people who use weed to cope with negative emotions, use weed more persistently, and are more likely to develop a cannabis use disorder. Um, it also has the potential to lead to further use disorders, which is, this is what people mean when they say that weed is a gateway, a drug. gateway drug. Because psychologically, it there is, and just socially, there is the potential to for it to lead to trying other things and for further use disorders, using weed to cope with negative emotions is also uniquely associated with um, psychiatric symptoms and increasing the severity of depression symptoms, anxiety symptoms. You might have some small um, short-term, like relieving emotions, relieving stress, but it creates more long-term issues you're at an increased risk for further psychiatric disorders if you don't already have them. And it decreases your motivation and cognitive functioning and puts you in a dangerous cycle where people with mental health issues use weed to cope, which makes their mental health worse, which makes them smoke more. Let's look at the whole picture. So if we have people who smoke persistently before the age of 16 have decreased executive function, lower levels of educational attainment, lower occupational prestige, and they're at a higher likelihood for psychiatric disorders and a cannabis use disorder and frequently use marijuana with not the best intentions. Does that sound like anyone we know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This person Let's call them Ashley. When I was doing this research, I thought of this very specific person who we know, and they have gone in and out of school. They are work at a local coffee shop, <laughs> and they have some really big ment- um, like mental health issues that they have been dealing with for long before that they began smoking weed. This person did 
not start smoking weed till around age 18. So they don't fall into that early onset use category. But it's really interesting because after doing this research and seeing how, like, the science behind it and seeing how it actually affects people in real life has been really interesting to see. It does happen. happen. Yeah, and unfortunately, we know someone. Yeah. And it's really interesting because a lot of people, when they start smoking, including you and I, don't know this when they start smoking. No, it's important to know. So, AJ. Did you learn anything today? I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned so much. No, that was really cool. Yeah, be curious, be safe. Yeah. Be good stuff. Be curious, be safe, good stuff. I think that's a pretty good place to end it. I think so too. Thank you so much. I learned. I and had I had a great time. I'm so glad. Thanks for joining me. And thank you, our listener. Thank you for tuning into Psych for Stoners, where we learned about marijuana, how it affects your brain and how even your motivation for smoking affects its effects on you.